Type 4. The Individualist. The sensitive, self-conscious, temperamental, creative type. Greetings, my beloved heartsick romantics, my tortured artists, my caretakers of conviction and venerators of vulnerability, my fellow wanderers of the island of misfit toys. Chances are, if you're already identified as a four on the Enneagram, you have either been anxiously waiting for this episode or completely skipped the other ones before it and jump right to this one. Obviously, the most interesting one. If you have not yet identified yourself as a four, you may be in the right place if you have been listening and were beginning to feel a sinking dread that you would not truly find yourself in any of these numbers, and you would be left disappointed by yet another personality assessment that was not nuanced or complicated enough to capture your deepest and truest essence. Or maybe you have thus been proud of the fact that no test has been able to fully encapsulate who you are. You're too dark to be a Gryffindor, too sweet to be a Slytherin, too emotional to be a Ravenclaw, and God, you sure as shit aren't a Hufflepuff. It will come as both a deep relief and a bit of a disappointment to learn that you are not alone. Now, please take a moment to light some sandalwood candles, sip a glass of whiskey or Pinot Noir while smoking a cigarette, and listen to the rightful anthem of our Enneagram type. I want you to notice My childhood was an unusual one. Spending years living abroad as an American overseas, and then living in America as an outsider who never really fit in. To this day, I grapple with feeling like I am never really home, have never truly found my place, and may never really feel like I belong. I'm a welcome guest in any tribe, always treated kindly, but never really a part of the unit. Like a satellite orbiting different cosmic bodies, depending on each of their gravities, circling briefly, but never joining the system. I had always assumed this was due to the chaotic lifestyle I had as a child, but whether or not it formed it or solidified it, it is one of the most shared traits among fours. For reasons we can't seem to fully articulate or understand, we just don't ever really fit. Fours are referred to as the individualists or the romantics. We are deeply emotional, complicated creatures, fascinated with beauty and driven to find it, create it, unearth it, and share it. We have a propensity towards the dramatic and, almost universally, the melancholic. We tend to associate depth with darkness, beauty with pain, and strength with overcoming tribulations. We are drawn to vulnerability and honest displays of emotion, and we recoil at the thought of keeping our feelings hidden or suppressed, and we tend to be deeply judgmental of people who seem to be putting it on. If you're like me, the phrase, fake it till you make it, is so deeply irksome that the mere use of it by a person almost bars them from having intimate proximity in my life. I would much rather feel each dark, dismal corner of my feelings and distill my emotions into something creative that communicates my truth in an accessible and beautiful way than pretend for one solitary moment that everything is fine when it is not. While I was a college student, wrestling with the unidentified recesses of my foreness, I adopted a mantra to keep myself afloat in the waves of my own inner tumult. The worst days today make the best stories tomorrow. 
My fellow fours include Edgar Allan Poe, Bob Dylan, Lady Gaga, Johnny Depp, Tim Burton, Miles Davis, Frida Kahlo, Cher, Angelina Jolie, and Nicolas Cage. If you do resonate with anything I have described and you feel like you might be a four, that list takes a few discouraging turns. Sure, there are some shiny mentions there, but we cannot deny that there are a lot of tragic endings among the list of famous fours. Artists driven to despair and poverty, musicians whose lives were cut short by hard living, and creatives who never seem to stop struggling regardless of how many people know their work or their name. We count Leonard Cohen among our ranks, who spent over a decade tinkering with one song. We claim Van Gogh, one of the world's greatest painters who managed to overshadow his own talent by chopping his ear off as a gift. I'd be willing to bet Kurt Cobain was one of us. Amy Winehouse fits in. And I mean, come on, Nicolas Cage? I mean, damn it, even if you do manage to survive as a four-year career won't. Darkness abounds. But... When you look at the list of famous fours, pass the personal shortcomings of the individuals on it, and examine the work, it's incredible. Leonard Cohen's decade-long tinkering led to Hallelujah, a song covered by more artists than almost any other. Beethoven pounded his anger and hurt into symphonies, and some even consider Shakespeare a four, due to the incredible capacity for understanding seemingly every emotion of the human spectrum, and putting it in iambic pentameter. Timeless songs, literature that will be preserved and taught for generations, poems and paintings that inspire laughter and tears. Hell, I'm even a pretty big fan of National Treasure. The tension between seemingly endless inner struggle and profound rich displays of creativity and truth is the razor's edge of existing as a four. Some Enneagram teachers consider fours the most emotionally complex number on the spectrum, largely because we can feel the range of emotions in an hour, others may feel in a day, which can be exhausting, sometimes for us, mostly for them. Fours have a tendency to consider themselves the most interesting of all the numbers, which is why I'm having such a blast writing this, and you're feeling so hung upon each word. Unless you aren't a four, in which case you've totally checked out and will never speak to me again. I understand. I'd never talk to me again either. The core desire of a four is to find ourselves and our significance. We crave identity. We want to know why we are here. We're less interested in what we should do and more interested in who we were meant to be. Our romantic nature leads us to believe nothing is really random or accidental. So we seek meaning and purpose to things that may otherwise seem chaotic or even cosmically cruel. We seek to create an identity by distilling our inner experiences into a form that we can understand, and in turn, share with others. It's why we so frequently turn to art, words, music, and stories. They apply context to happenstance, give cause and effect and help us interpret the things we experience so that discomfort and pain are not simply emotions, but beats in a narrative. If you think I'm coming across as incredibly self-centered or even self-obsessed, you may not be wrong. As a four still journeying to deeper health, that's kind of my thing. A four's greatest fear is that deep down, we have no real significance, no real identity, no real purpose. To put it bluntly, fours want to be special. 
We need to be seen, deeply seen, and we worry we won't be. Feeling ordinary is torture to a four. We don't want to blend in. We want to be known, having our unique special specialness affirmed, but only as long as it is who we truly are. Our desire and often our obsession with being truly and deeply ourselves can give way to self-indulgence, narcissism, hedonism, and depression. Fours naturally relate to others by seeing themselves as fundamentally different, for better or for worse. Sure, deep down, fours believe they are uniquely gifted or talented or that they have something only they can share, but they also believe they are uniquely broken, irreparably flawed, and missing some mystical, unknowable peace in them that everyone else just seems to have. Our core sin is envy, because whatever that thing is everyone else seems to have that we feel we lack, we want it, and we'll compare ourselves to everyone we think has it. Fours want to be special, but they also want to belong. I will also confess, in a dark space, it's easy for myself as a four to feel a small sense of satisfaction when someone who is not normally seemingly vulnerable to pain experiences it. You merely adopted the dark. I was born in it, molded by it. As children, we typically miss the message, you are seen for who you are. Fours instinctively realized they were not like either of their parents. Feeling seen is an important experience fours often report lacking at home, even if they got attention from one or both parents. I was raised by a workaholic, emotionally distant father and a coddling, unconditionally supportive mother. I didn't know how to relate to my dad because I wasn't tough and he frightened me. My mom seemed to think everything I did was magic, but she couldn't understand my inner sadness and self-criticism. Feeling seen, after all, is not just about having the energy of their parents directed at them, but a distinct feeling of being inherently understood and appreciated by them. This can lead us on a lifelong search to be parented or saved by those who fit into a more maternal or paternal role in our life. I've had to learn in my own romantic life, I attract and am attracted to rescuers, which is not a great dynamic to have in a couple. Fours may tend to play hide-and-seek with loved ones as they hope to be noticed when absent for extended periods of time, and therefore chased after. However, this childish temperament can lead to alienating friends. But, fours always have the ability to find a renewed childlike sense of warmth when healthy. It's also important to mention that as fours, we have a unique ability and propensity to daydream. We have a lush natural fantasy that begins very early as children. As a kid, I loved looking at catalogs of toys more than the actual toys, because in my mind, the possibilities were endless. As I grew up, I kept crafting daydreams, carrying out entire alternate realities where I was great at sports, irresistible to girls, had a completely different family, and lived a totally other life, all within the confines of my imagination. My fantasies and daydreams are so powerful, they can alter my mood, for better or worse, and this is fairly common among fours. We can get trapped in daydreams and waste vast amounts of time picturing ourselves living different realities and never actually building a good one right here in our midst. Let your imagination influence your creativity, but be careful not to live there. It's a trap! The Wings 
A four with a three wing is known as the aristocrat. This subtype combines creativity and ambition to engage audiences of all kinds in the most effective, least offensive way possible. They're more self-conscious than fours of the other subtype, which makes them more aware of social class and things like having refined taste or cultured sensibilities. Their tendency towards narcissism will be expressed more openly and directly than the other subtype. That's ya boy. A four with a five wing is known as the bohemian. This subtype is far more introspective than the aristocrats, which allows them to be more explorative in their self-expression. They don't require an audience, nor do they care as much about what people think. They can be more defiant and rebellious against authority. Bohemians can also be socially withdrawn for extended periods of time, as they enjoy the inner world they create for themselves. This lack of social or practical energy may limit their ability to manifest the creative visions they possess in their inner world. As they do not require much, they can lead highly minimalistic lives defined by eccentric taste. Fours reacting negatively to stress and discomfort take on the attributes of unhealthy twos. We become cloyingly needy of others' approval and place our sense of self in their hands. We will often aim to be helpful or needed, but only insofar as we are told what good boys and girls we are so that we can grasp at the straws of our identity. As we move towards growth and health, we begin to embody traits of healthy ones, displaying discipline and care in our crafts and aiming to encourage and enlighten those around us and in turn make the world a brighter place. We develop the same drive towards social issues, though not so deeply out of a moral imperative, rather more from a sense of that purpose being why we create and perhaps even why we exist. Our wake-up call is our tendency to latch onto and intensify negative emotions through the imagination. I have a running joke with my close friends that when I'm having a bad day, I experience what I have affectionately dubbed a Danward spiral. I will play out nightmare scenarios, imagine terrible fights with friends, and anticipate the worst-case possibilities of my life coming true, all because I have made a scheduling conflict or have less money in my bank account than I assumed I had. The daydreams go dark, and they are all too easy to explore. Our red flag fear is that we are ruining our lives and wasting our opportunities. Also, our fear that we are insignificant leads to our dismissal of others as nobodies, and we can treat them as if they have no real value because we're so busy worrying about ourselves and our obvious impending doom. We manipulate others by being moody and temperamental, controlling the atmosphere of the interaction we are going to have and forcing people to walk on eggshells. I've had a friend tell me I have the ability to change the temperature in the room, and it can get pretty uncomfortable for others. So how do we practice development? Notice when you're making negative comparisons and acknowledge that that is your predisposition. You aren't making a fact-based, objective comparison. Instead, you are viewing yourself as distinctly other, uniquely broken, and irrelatable in your struggle or suffering. All of that is pretty self-centered and very false. Ironically, the key to our health as a four is doing everything that can feel so counterintuitive. We crave uniqueness, but there is freedom in knowing our struggles, hurts, fears, and doubts aren't as unique as we might think. We are special, but we aren't so special so as to be exceptions to every rule. Everyone is broken. Everyone is beautiful, including you.
recognize that your feelings aren't always a compass bearing true north. Most of us already intuitively know this, but our feelings are fickle and often can't be trusted. Let go of past feelings and instead allow those feelings to guide your creativity and forward momentum. Don't nurse old wounds, scratching at and reopening painful memories, mining them for the sweet goodness of gloominess. If something hurts, acknowledge that it hurts, but aim to put it into a context where it doesn't have to hurt anymore. I distill my pain, shame, and insecurities into stories and humor. Yours may be art pieces, poems, songs, or something completely unrelated to the fine arts, but the aim should be to turn that brokenness into beauty. Simply meditating on brokenness isn't good for you, and it doesn't do much good for anyone else either. Don't wait until you're in the right mood to begin something. It does not come naturally to us, but fours thrive with a bit of organization, discipline, and routine. Consistency in practicing a craft or a healthy habit is paramount in fours becoming fully realized forces of empathy and creativity. Richard Rohr does something in his teachings where he gives examples of nations that embody characteristics of the nine types. Think of an unhealthy four like France capable of exceptional art and craft work and filled with carefully cultivated splendor, but self-involved and snobbish in regards to others, convinced that no one can measure up or understand while still insisting that life is shit. Think of a healthy four as a culture like Japan, where every aspect of life can become a craft to be mastered and care is dedicated to things as simple and refined as pouring a cup of tea or trimming the branches of a bonsai. Nothing is perfect, but there is an endless pursuit of all things lovely. I've gone on long enough, so I'll end with this thought. When I was still grinding hard in my stand-up comedy pursuits, I had a conversation with an older comic who I considered much smarter and funnier than myself. We were talking about exploring dark material on stage, and how some people seem to do it better than others. He said, You can take people into a dark place, but you have to be the one holding the torch. I believe that is the gift of the four. When we come to a place of accepting ourselves and letting go of our past, using our experiences as a way to interpret meaning in a difficult world, we can be light bearers because we aren't afraid of the dark. In health, we are loyal and deeply loving of those around us because we can't help but see their raw, natural joie de vie. Our real strength is in being able to share in difficulty and pain with people, not needing to rush them through it, fix it, or take their minds off of it. We don't mind sadness and despair. We spend a great deal of time there, so it's not all that uncomfortable to us. Furthermore, because we have spent time there, we have often learned roots out of the valley back up into the light. Our words, stories, songs, and poems can be an illuminating beacon to ourselves and others. To borrow from one of my favorite fours, Samwise Gamgee. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo. The ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come, 
and when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you, that meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going because they were holding on to something. That there is some good in this world, Mr. Frodo. And it's worth fighting for. If there is a mantra we four should follow... I'll borrow one from another influential four who really knew what she was talking about. I don't think of all the misery, but all the beauty that still remains. And Frank. Now, finish your whiskey or wine, put out that cigarette, and go make something lovely.